Hi, I'm Valerie Steele, Director and Chief Curator of the Museum at FIT, the most fashionable museum in New York City. Welcome to our Fashion Culture podcast series, featuring lectures and conversations about fashion. If you like what you hear, please share your thoughts on social media using the hashtag FashionCulture. Welcome to the Museum at FIT's Fashion Culture Online series. My name is Tania Melendez Escalante, and I am Senior Curator of Education and Public Programs. It is my honor to introduce your Wayne-born fashion designer, Gabriela Hurst, who is the winner of the 2016-17 International Walmart Prize for Women's Wear and the 2020 CFDA American Women's Wear Designer of the Year Award, among others. In December of 2020, Hearst was appointed the new creative director for Chloe. She will speak in conversation with MFIT director and chief curator, Dr. Valerie Steele. Enjoy the show. I thought I'd begin by asking you about the arc of your life and career. Um, you were born in Uruguay in Latin America. And how has that influenced your life and work? I think it's, it's basically the root and the source of everything I do and how I move myself in the world um, as a professional and, a, and as a human being, because you learn so much when you grow up in such a remote place. And, um, and also you're well rooted because your family's been there for a long time. My mom still lives there um, and uh, it's gonna be 170 years my family's there. It's already been actually. And she still lives off the grid. And she still carries herself with those those values that I was brought up with. And, and I learned there basically the two columns where we build Gavrila Hurston, which is long-term view on sustainability. So is everything I am. And I always like this quote that somebody said, which was, you can take the girl out of the country, but not the country out of the girl. And I always feel that you know, at, at the heart of everything, even if I've been living in New York City for 21 years, I'm still a farm girl. I grew up really with a certain matriarchy forces behind me. And I have one of my first memories, which is my mom being thrown by a horse and hitting the ground and then blood coming out of her mouth, her teeth falling and walking towards me like nothing had happened. And I had this conversation with her recently where I was like, you know, do you remember this, da, 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 da. And she remembered the horse. And she's like, how do you remember? I'm like, cause it was traumatic mom. Mm. But the, the thing is, is that there was so much strength and courage, right? And I feel that that's always the type of um, woman that I'm, inspired by because they have this bravado but at the same time they have an emotional fragility that this bravado is 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 it's hiding in a way so it always intrigued me that type of uh, projection right this androgyny androgyny is the, is the right word that i'm looking for is this androgyny that you can be both right and what were you like as a child you know, it's it's very, I was very, like every child, very molded by my background and the same as everyone. We all think that whatever circumstances we brought up is the normal, right? But it took me a long time till my husband told me, you know, it's not normal. <laughs> it's, and, it, and for me, it was, 
you know, growing up in a place with hundreds of horses and a really long, long landscapes, uh, I mean, uh, pieces of land where you only are confronted with, with nature. And so I think it really formed my brain too, because there was not a lot of the disruptions that kids have today. Like in, in Uruguay, even if I was born in 1976, it was quite conservative. And obviously this was pre-globalization. So the only thing in the ranch was radio and books and magazines and your imagination. So my imagination was really my, my toy. Yes. And That's so that, that is really how it shaped me. How would you describe the Gabriella Hearst style? I always try to achieve a sort of uh, timeless in the way I do things. I'm not very trend-based. And sometimes it happens that I hit trends, but it's just because I feel like I live in New York. And for 21 years, I walk New York every day or, or really I try to do a big long walk in New York a week, right? And different parts of New York at all times in different periods because you you feel the subconscious it's one of my favorite things like headphones with music in my ears and and just perceiving New York right from from the side of your eye and and there's always feeding you and and so I think that that is also the part that influenced my design and and so I'm mixing these two worlds the rural and the urban and I've always feel like what an extreme right I grew up in the middle of nowhere and I live in New York and I think that I came, especially during COVID, I came to the conclusion because I've, I've lived here for September 11, the blackout 2008 and, um, and last year and I never left. And I think that what it is that I feel in both places is a grit, right? There's yeah. a grit to New York and there's a grit to living in the country. And so I think within what I designed, there's also a grit. Um, because the, the pieces have to last. So yes. there's a lot of research in order to have these pieces well-made, which is the most sustainable thing that you can do that have the know-how of making sure that using materials that are far away from herbicides and pesticides that are killing our insect world and one of the problems that we have with biodiversity. So I really make sure that we're choosing ingredients that are last longing of high quality with a low impact in the world. And then that added a sense of design that hopefully you want to wear it the rest of your life. That's how I think about objects and pieces. Yes. Why do you think that sustainability is so important to you? For me, sustainability is the most important thing that for any, everyone right now, it's, it's, like, it's like saying, is survival important to you? I mean, um, I don't know if you're in New York right now. Yes. I mean, the air, I, it frightens me, right? That's the whole point where I try to explain with the work where it's, we're an ecosystem. It's going to affect us all. And I learned it really um, in an intensive way when I was in Africa in, in the drought in 2017 of what climate injustice is. And what concerns me the most right now is that everything that's been predicted by scientists, all the warning signs are everything happened with precision and a little bit faster than we expected on certain areas. But the moment is absolutely now. I think here's where we have the opportunity to really turn. This is the decade that by all scientists is the decade that we really commit to the change and we can do it. I, I you know, I grew up in South America, as, as we've mentioned, 
and the ozone layer was very thin in that part of the world. And I had developed skin cancer at a very young age, at 26 years old, um, the basal cell ones. And I remember there was a whole, it was a big thing where when scientists realized that the ozone layer was thin and there was a huge commitment by the global community in order to answer to this issue. And I feel that this is, we haven't been he- listening to the scientists for a long time. And I think right now we are all experiencing in the developing world, in the, in the, in the developed world, it's affecting us all. We cannot just say this is someone else's problem anymore. So I think that all the strength is, is pointing right now to action. Right now is going to be the moment of action in these next uh, few years. This is marvelous. Talk to me a little bit about uh, your style and about you know, how it's developed, some of the clothes that you're proudest of designing. Tell us about this collection, Spring Summer 2021. This is a beautiful, beautiful collection. I am really proud of this collection, especially because um, it was shown in Paris. We designed it during COVID. We did three collections during COVID. We never stopped. And we managed to create something with a lot of hope. And in this collection specifically, the idea was that we were looking at the entrails of the pandemic. And there was a lot of subconscious work. There was a lot of dreams and there was a lot of um, the subconscious speaking through the collection. And I'm extremely proud of this because it was, it really was a joy. It's beautiful. And, and the result is clothes that you want to keep forever that are really yeah. precious. Oh, yes. I, it really, you know, my mom, which is said to me recently, a compliment that I, I know what she meant. And it was, in, and we are not come from a family that give each other too many compliments. I just want to FYI that. And, <laughs> and she said to me, you're, because she was looking about different clothing. And she said, what I love about the pieces that you, you do with your team is the fact that they, they feel like real, they feel authentic. Yeah. And they, they are real clothes. Beautiful. There's Kill the God of Virgin, which was a, the, the inspiration for the Fall 2021 collection. She was a, a nun on the Middle Ages that if she was born a man, we would know her like we would know Leonardo da Vinci. She was a polymath, new languages, new medicine, new art, and had this vision. So that's one of her visions of the world. And she was an ecologist an environmentalist in the Middle Ages, and then P.B. Apperson Hearst. I love those sleeves. Yeah. And then there is um, Mia Farrow next to flowers that were drawn by my daughter, Mia. Oh. They, and those flowers became the print of the collection. They're crocheted, they became 3D, and then you have the herringbone pattern. I have a lot of sleeves ideas. I, you know, the sleeves just come to my head. Yeah. I'm working on a sleeve now. It's a kind of a strange thing, but it's kind of, I just see the sleeve. Sleeves are a really important way to get an aesthetic across in a way that's wearable and, and, and natural. Yes, it's true. Charles James was very good at, well, Charles James was good at everything, but yeah. his sleeves. My mother-in-law, my husband's wife was a patron of Charles James. I think she, she did a lot of work, Austin Hearst for, for FIT yes. as well. Yes. <laughs> Had all these sleeves. Um, it's beautiful to see pictures of her with all these these interesting sleeves as well. 
So I was very, uh, I had this obsession about creating these landscape sweaters that would depict certain key places on the Americas, North, South, and Central. This collection was inspired by the Hippitecas, which were the followers of the movement La Movida, the cultural movement in the late 60s. And then you have the skirt we recycle cashmere. You have the boots that a lot of our boots have this EVA recycled sole. And then the next outfit is actual a lace that we custom made with the walls of the Mayan temples of the ruins. So it actually has this sacred geometry that we replicated in the lace. Beautiful. And the belt buckle also is really organic and lovely. And the, and the cashmere is dead stock cashmere on that skirt. Another reason to love it. Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder, you just had mentioned before how you put together three collections during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about how your life has changed since the pandemic hit New York and, and what were the challenges of creating fashion during that long, long year? Well, I think the first one was that we couldn't be together, but we managed to work. Um, and I mean, it's always amazing to see human um, ingenuity at work in finding ways. And this is where creative people have so much admiration because I think creativity is what is a problem solving tool above all. And so you find a way and and it was, uh, it was a, um, it was an episode. I've always had, I've been more scared to be honest about, I, I am more scared about the climate crisis than, than COVID because I knew we would overcome COVID. But what COVID has gave me hope was that we were able to change our habits really quickly. So I think we, we are gonna be, we can, we're able, now we know that we can change our habits very quickly in order to succeed in, 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 in the climate crisis, which, you know, is a mantra I repeat myself every day, climate success, climate success. But it's really the fact that we have to change the way we think and the way we act. And what COVID was a, a time of, of um, a lot of uh, recalibration, I would say. And also the, the, the experience that we went globally, one is one of those rare times that globally we experience something and as the same as the climate crisis, we need to all get out of it together. It's yeah. not gonna work if it's, you know, it's still COVID in one part of the world and not another. So it's something that we still need to do together as, um, as a species. And so I would say it were, they were challenging, interesting, growing times. Yeah, I hope you're right that people can, uh, can continue to try and work together and change things. I just remember, I'm so old, I remember the first Earth Day and you think, wow, we wasted half yeah. a century. We really yeah. have to act now. Yeah, 50 years. Yeah. And everything that's been predicted from the first um, Earth Day to now has occurred to extreme accuracy. And I think that as I, I really, I am a true believer that the moment is now and the destruction that we have already occur has happened, but there is, hope that we can still create 
um, there's a regeneration power that our environment has that, you know, if it's going to be about a fight with the trees, the trees will win. Nature is extremely forceful. And this is something that I know as a, as a living in a ranch, I've seen, you know, thunder and I've breaking out a, a house. I've seen the powerful, the power of nature, the magnitude, and, and you see it now. And I think that that that's why it's the call for action is, is as we speak. And I think that that a lot of people has woken up to it. I, I really think people were just saying, oh, we're all going to go back to the same habits. I'm like, no, some people woke up to it. Maybe some will go back to the same habits, but I think others are, are connected to the collective. So in terms of fashion, you think it's partly people should buy less and better things. They should travel less or less thoughtlessly. So one of the first things that we need to do for all industries, not only fashion, is decarbonize, right? Yeah. Reduce our, our addiction and dependency to fossil fuels because people forget that fossil fuels are just dead organism from another geolithical epoch that we extract from this earth, right? We push them down to, we push, we burn them and we push them through the atmosphere that has um, been warming up as well. And that, and that what we found out recently was that, that the oceans have been trapping all the heat. So yeah. if it wasn't for the oceans, we already surpassed the 1.5 Celsius that it's, it's really, we cannot go through that breaking point because after that we have just lost all type of um, productivity to climate and then then they have acid then the oceans also get the acidification process so fossil fuels is the number one thing that we need to move super fast um, there obviously there's some blocks that already have this uh, as a deadline Europe is, is looking at 2035 to do the last car that is um, uh, oil dependent and then you have the component so you have fossil fuels then you have the component of overproduction and overconsumption. They are connected, right? So if we overproduce, we over we push the overconsumption. So and here is a matter of waste management. Waste management is one of the main things we can do for conservation, which is a lot of the work that needs to be done. Thirty percent can be just done by conservation, and and so what happens when? If you think about waste and design, there's no waste in nature. So for sure, buying consciously, you know, buying um, not in like how crazy had become in the past few decades. I wasn't brought up with this buying craziness. I, I only experienced it uh, as an as an adult living in in in, uh, in New York. But it's just something that I think that we need to think about. Why do we need this? Do we buy in excess? Like, like really think about it, right? Be conscious about what you consume. And then to that, the rehabilitation and conservation of our, our water, our biodiversity, our nutrients. So they all go connected. So removing ourselves from fossil fuel addiction, waste management, understanding, and then conservation. Tell me, do you think how has your designing career changed over the years? I mean, how has it developed your aesthetic? My aesthetic is quite constant, I would say. It's just evolving. And as I learn and I, and I, 
and I um, understand more and I, and I educate myself um, with the subjects that I study, obviously that Im implements it but in the in the raw base of it it's quite constant like mm -hmm. i somebody sent me a picture of me dressed uh, at 16 years old and i was like i would wear that today uh -huh. you know so yeah. there's something very constant about it it's just more about you know techniques or learning about certain things that i want to learn how to craft or or it's more about right now we're really experimenting with vegetable dyes because i think it's a really interesting way that why do we we've used to vegetable dye our clothing for so for so many centuries and so for millennia actually and so i think that that this is something that i would say the base has not evolved because it's like the seed is the constant but the technicality and the craft hopefully got improved <laughs> yeah. and uh but I think that the main change, I would say, it's it's how much purpose there is into me doing this work. Like what really keeps me going is is um is really figuring out a way that we can do business and we can create with a lower impact to our environment. It's really an important goal. It's really yeah. crucial. I think that more and more of us in fashion realize that. I, for a long time, people said to me I should do jewelry, and I finally did it in a way that I, I, I was looking at a painting in the Prado Museum, and they had these rings. Um, is the presentation of, of the Christ, the, the painting by Quentin Massey, and they had all these, these men were wearing all these rings. So this is in fire by, by men's rings, and they are Howlite, Lapis Lazuli, and Malachi, and tigerite on on gold. So there's something again. This is our first pieces of jewelry, but there's something very timeless about it. Yeah. Now, um, if you were not a designer, what would you be doing? Right now, I think I would be 100% devoted to do anything possible to uh, um, work with climate change and climate injustice, and. I believe that this is why I'm a designer because it's kind of what I have some sort of talent for and some sort of um, people resonate to it. So it comes in a natural world. So this is natural way. So this is my medium. So I think through my medium, I'm able to do also the work that drives me. Yeah. And finally, with I'm wondering what, what if any impact do you think it has on your work that you're a woman everything i feel like it's so good to see all these because they're like key moments that you choose on this one so really touched really um i wasn't expecting this i competed in the walmart price and it's it's the rum ovaries yeah. and it was like i was i kept on looking at pictures of ovaries because it's it was the new administration camp came in and there were threats on planet um, on on uh, Planned Parenthood and uh, Cecile Richards was the head at the time I had huge admiration and and so I made this sweater to give me strength when I I competed in the Walmart but at the same time when I was being judged in the panel uh, Victoria Beckham told me that's a really good sweater she told you know because it's also it was about wool right yeah the, the Walmart price and she said you should make it 
And so I said, you know what? You're, you're right, because she was one of the judges. And so she, so we did it, but with a partnership with Planned Parenthood. Thank you so much for giving this interview. It's really, I think, going to be so important for the whole audience for the museum at FIT. We've got a lot of students and young designers and people who I think will really be moved and motivated um, by what you had to say. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been very, very inspiring and, and emotional to, to be able to, to reflect on, because sometimes you're doing the things and you're not really reflecting on it, but, it, but I think that I would say to young students, the world is yours at this point. We're just guardians to trying to make sure that it's not completely <laughs> screwed up. But I can't take, I can't wait till you guys take over and um, because the world is going to be a much better place. Thank you, Gabriela. Thank you very, Thanks very so much. much. Bye bye. Bye. Ciao.